0: Good evening, church. Well, here we are again with another blessing from the Lord. The opportunity to sing songs of praise into his name, to worship him in spirit and in truth. And what, a, what an amazing honor, gift, and blessing it is that God has granted to each of us. It is great to see you here this evening, both members and visitors alike. Let's go to God, please, in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and amazing name. Thank you, Lord God, for the greatness that you represent, the greatness that you are. So thankful, Lord God, to know that there are words that in this life we use that describe you, that you've given to us in your word, but even those are not high enough, for we are but human. We recognize, Lord God, our humanity, We recognize our weaknesses. We recognize, Lord God, that that you are wonderful. and Your name is awesome and holy, separate from all else. Thank you for allowing us, Lord God, to know you. But greater than that, thank you for knowing us. Thank you for your great son, Jesus, who came and died on that cruel cross of Calvary, who volunteered himself, who volunteered his life that we might live, who loved us as the Godhead loved the world. Thank you for this hour of worship. Please bless us, Lord God, that our minds will be kept from worldly thought. We might focus only on you. These things we ask and pray in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ will be thy will. Amen. Turn to Matthew chapter 6, please. The end game. On a, on a certain night of the week, maybe a Friday night, uh, many families get together and uh, have a family night or a game night and, and play games like cards or or board games or whatever it may be that that um, you find in your particular home and and in that we learn a lot you know you you start playing monopoly and you start learning a lot about your your family mindset and uh, that's a fun game but but there's another game out and I want to over the next uh, maybe week or two talk about kind of board games but I want to I want to relate those board games uh from a spiritual perspective or or bring some uh relationship in some way the game of life you know that little game, you've seen that, right? And you get a little car and you drive around, and you put little pegs inside there and you grow. And it's interesting how, how that game goes. This, this board game is a game where, where players travel through life looking for success. And it's supposed to emulate what we do, right? We drive uh, through life, we live through in, in on, on life on our way, we're looking for success. And then you move in this game, you move from, from I think it's college, to a working man, to a working family, and then, uh, and then retirement, and then that's the game of life. And it really seems simple, but there are some obstacles along the way as you go, and eventually, it's just a kind of an interesting, an interesting game. And I want us to think about life for just a moment. But turn to Matthew 6 and verse 24, and the Bible says, no one can serve, verse 25 rather, I'll skip down. For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life, as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on, it is not life more than food and the body than clothing. And so it kind of makes me think, turn to Ecclesiastes 2, please, that maybe there's more to this idea of life than the game really teaches. right? So how does the greatest man in the Old Testament regarding wisdom how does he describe life? If he were to t- take that game and develop it and then and call it Solomon's life or Solomon's view of life, what would he say? Would it be the same as the game of life portrays? Or would it be a little bit different? Verse 17, please, of Ecclesiastes chapter 2. So I hated life for the work which had been done under the sun was grievous to me because everything is Utility and striving after wind. Thus I hated all the fruit of my labor for which I had labored under the sun. For I must leave it to the man who will come after me. He kind of sees the pointlessness of you know building you know mansions and mansions and mansions in this life because you're going to die and then it's gonna to go to someone else. Like I kind of hated that. And then he goes on to talk more about that in verse 20. Therefore I completely despaired of all the fruit of my labor for which I labored under the sun. When there's a man who has labored with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then he gives his legacy to one who has not labored with them, this too is vanity and a great evil. But what does a man get in all his labor? And in all the striving with which he labors under the sun. Because all his days, his task is painful and grievous. Even at night, his mind does not rest. This too is vanity. He might not have made a good spokesman
1: for the game of
0: life. Because see, the reality is, life is not a game, is it? It's not a game at all. In fact, I want to talk more in just a moment about the spiritual side of life and that if we focus only on college and then, uh, you know, life and then a family, a working family, a job and then retirement, it's kind of hopeless when you think about it. It's exactly what Solomon says. If really, honestly and truly, this is all there is, it's pretty depressing. That's what brought me to Christ. I, I remember, I remember I was looking, I was thinking, I was thinking to myself, isn't there more to life I am doing the same stuff every single day. I mean, you know, on on Sunday I slept in because I was tired from, you know, Saturday night activities. And Monday and Tuesday went on and, you know, all the way through the week, back to the weekend. And then came the weekend and then it was the same stuff over and over. And and I I wondered, I thought to myself, isn't there more than just this? It's a vicious cycle of nothingness. And, and I remember being in the military and I was going through that and, and finally that was when God opened up the door for me uh, to the gospel of Christ. Thank you God for that. Chapter 1 and verse 14. I have seen all the works which have been done under the sun and behold, all is vanity and striving after the wind. Isn't there more? You know what's sad? For, for most of the world, no. It's just the same old stuff. over. over and over and over again. And then comes verse 9 of chapter 1. That which has been is that which will be. And that which has been done is that which will be done. So there's nothing new under the sun. You can't even expect anything more. Except the old stuff that's already gone is going to come back. Right? I remember saying to myself, but the bell bottoms come back. I'm not wearing those. Anyway. (laughs) In this world, it's the same if you will, mundane life over and over again. But let's think about the spiritual for just a moment. Turn to First Corinthians chapter 3. See, the reality is that in a spiritual world, the reality of life is all about the spiritual, right? So here's what comes first. First comes this awareness of God, and then you surrender to God in the waters of baptism. and so now you are a new person, a new creation. All things are new. Right, and you start learning. You start learning about God and learning about life and learning about the creation and everything else. You begin to learn and learn, and you grow. Right, chapter three. Some don't grow though. Verse one, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to babes in Christ. I gave you milk to drink and not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able you see the problem some folks never grow because we get so stuck in this physical mindset that we never move on to the spiritual right right, i'm gonna come back to that verse three for you are still fleshly for since there is jealousy and strife among you are you not fleshly and are you not walking like mere men just not growing second peter please chapter chapter three And and verse 18, there's the instruction that comes from Peter regarding growth. After all has been said regarding the new heavens and the new earth and life, the book ends in this way. Verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. And so some folks get stuck. And, and never grow, right? And, and why is that? Well, because because we get so we become so complacent and so stuck in this physical world, full of all kinds of messy things. We never can move on to the spiritual, right? We just get stuck. Hebrews, please, chapter chapter eleven, and then we I mean chapter five rather. We get stuck, verse eleven. We get stuck in this in this mindset, right? You just stuck, and then you act like a a human being, a carnal person. Carnality becomes who you are, or rather it continues to be who you are. You're still fleshly minded. We're still stuck back in the old days. We're still, And some folks, unfortunately and sadly enough, never move in, in the spiritual walk of life on to the spiritual. Just get stuck. I mentioned that years ago to you all. And I asked the question, are you stuck? So, verse 11, Concerning him, we have much to say. And it's hard to explain since you become dull of hearing. For though by this time you you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles, the oracles of God. Look, don't get mixed up with this. Don't get mixed up with a person that's older in Christ biologically and think they're older in Christ spiritually. Don't get that mixed up, right? Sometimes we get that mixed up. Well, he's an older individual, so therefore, he should. No, that's, that's not true. That's not true, right? And so, he, he says, you, some people are still in those or, elementary principles and oracles of God, and, and you've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who takes only a milk is accustomed to the word of righteousness, excuse me, is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. It's just a bait. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. So, so what, what happens in our spiritual mind? Let's go to Colossians chapter 1. What happens in our spiritual minds? We walk through life, and we live our lives. What, what happens in the spiritual mind that moves us from the physical to the spiritual? What, what needs to happen in our minds, Right? See, we're playing the game, you don't, you don't have to transition. You just move along. You know, you work hard and you, you go to work every day. You do the same thing over and over and over again. And a lot of folks are working on treadmills, right? It's the same stuff. You don't go anywhere, right? Colossians 1, verse, uh, verse 9. The Bible says, um, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you, to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. How many people want to know about that? How many Christians want to know, what is God's will for me? Most often it's, what is my will, right? Well, this is what I want, but what does God want from you? You ever ask that question? Lord well, God, what do you want from me? So that I can be the man, the woman, the child of yours what, that you want me to be. What can I do for you, God? How many of us ask that question? And then pursue after things to figure it out. How many of us do that? Look at verse 10. Verse 10. So that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So here we are, growing and growing and growing and that transition, right? The transition happens, Romans 12 please, when we begin to recognize that life is more than the physical, right? When we begin to recognize that, that there's more to me than what you see, right? That's important, right? There's more to me than what you see. And, and here, if, if spiritually speaking, if, if there isn't more to me than what you see, then I got to hold on to what Solomon said. I hate life. Right? Because there has to be something else. Verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brother. Twelve Romans 12, verse 1. By the, I'm begging you, by the mercies of God, now, why would a preacher beg a congregation, and then bring up the mercies of God? Because church, if we don't grow and move from the physical to the spiritual, we might not make it into heaven. Right? We may never, we may never learn what it really means to be a Christian. Right now, some of us have lived life our own way and thought about ourselves and and made our own rules and lived for all this time and never moved from that mindset to the simple, humble, compassionate, and merciful mindset of what God wants us to be. I I beseech you. I am begging you to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or or your reasonable Worship, but our service of worship, it's our reasonable, our spiritual, it's acceptable to God. And then he goes on to say in verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be ye trans. So something has to happen. Now I pray it's not something physical that's gonna destroy my life or turn my life upside down, but rather in my, in my studies and in my prayer life and in my service life. Oh, maybe that's it. In my service life, something happens where I learn that it's more blessed to give than receive through experience. I've read it, I have the academic knowledge, but when I get to see it, wow, right. And so something happens in my service to the Lord, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that will of God which is acceptable and perfect, that good and acceptable, that acceptable will of God. It's good and it's perfect. Am I still striving for perfection, or have I succumbed to the idea? Well, I'm never going to reach it. So I don't need to strive after it, right? Folks, folks, you ought to try to be perfect. You ought to try every day not to sin. It's a battle every single day, you see. That's that transition of mind that must occur. Where you're saying, I'm just going to try to do my best. Today, I'm going to do right by the Lord, right? And in this moment and in this hour, I'm going to do right by the Lord. I want to be what God wants me to be. There has to be this transformation. So then as you live your life, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. As you live your life, you hope to be able to say what Paul said in verse 7, I have fought. I fought the good fight. That's are you fighting for your soul? Now one time I was thinking this is my own Personal thought, but I'll give it to you. It, it may not mean much. I used to always think about Satan having a stranglehold around my neck. And I'm always fighting to get him off of me. And that's what helped me to keep going. Because I can fight. So I kept fighting, and I keep fighting. He you knows what he's doing, right? He, every day, every day he's trying to pressure us to give up. Every day there's something new. And it's like he's got a stranglehold around your neck. And some folks just give up. You can't give up, right? So it, it goes on. I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, there's laid up for, for me, right? There's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all those who love his appearing. And so reminding myself, Matthew chapter 6, please. Reminding myself that this isn't the end. Right? And so when you are fighting this fight of faith, Matthew 16, excuse me. When you're fighting this fight of faith and you're walking this walk of life, keep on fighting. And when you feel like you can't go on, keep on fighting. Right? And, and when it's really tough, just keep on fighting. Right? Verse 26, the comparison. For what will a man Be profited if he gains everything about this place, right? If he gains the whole entire world, and who even wants that, right? But but it's okay. What would a man be profited if he gains the whole entire world, the whole world, and forfeits his soul? I heard something um, the other day. It was on a a television. um, I don't even know what it was. Maybe it was a. I I don't remember. Anyway. This is what was said. I've already sold my soul. I don't even know what, the, what, it, what it was about, the advertisement or whatever it was. I thought, you know, that's right. People are still selling their souls today. Isn't that sad? Right? What if you, what if you gain the whole world, but you, but you forfeit your soul? The game of life, the board game says you win. <laughs> Right, because you moved on, you got the retirement, and now you're finished, and you and you gain the whole world. And and God says, no, that's that's not how this works. Or what will a man be profited if he if he if you will if he if he gives in exchange for his soul something? What would it what would it be? What will be your profit if if someone said, okay, Tony, Satan's talking to you, and Satan says this? Here's what I believe. This is maybe my own personal belief. I believe that Satan knows this. Satan knows that all of us have a price. And every day he's digging and offering to try to find what my, what my price is. How much, how much can Satan give me for me to sell my soul to him? Right? Can I give you the whole world to him? Will you sell me your soul then? He tried to give it to Jesus, didn't he? Jesus, I'll give you everything, Jesus. Look at all this stuff. I'll give it all to you. What's your price? So maybe we ought to ask ourselves that very same question. What is is our price? What would a man give in exchange for his soul? Finishing that verse out. What would a man give? I don't know. So I want to go back to to Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, please. Am I chasing after the wind? You know, money has wings and it flies away. The physical game of life teaches us to gain all that you can without the consideration of your soul right that that's a totally different issue solomon says to us in verse chapter 2 in verse uh, 9 then i became great and increased more than all who preceded me in jerusalem my wisdom also stood by me. And all that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart was pleased because of all my labor, and this was my reward for all of my labor. This, Thus I considered. All my activities which my hands had done, and the labor which I had exerted and behold, all was vanity and striving after wind, and there was no profit under the sun. And, and, and someone who's playing the game of life would would not have expected that that kind of wording or thought from from the the richest man in the world at his time. They would have thought like our oh, Warren Buffett and whoever whoever else there is. You know, that, that those rich folks that all oh, they've achieved it. And Solomon says, "Nah." No, even they realize you're missing something. You're missing the greatest part of life. Solomon said, I realized that after all the vanity in my life, after all that I gained and all that I've striven after, and I looked at it and I said to myself, all of this is vanity. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 24. Spirituality teaches us not to store up your treasures on the earth. Spirituality teaches us not to put all of your eggs into that basket. Put it in God. So verse 16 of Proverbs 24, the Bible says, For a righteous man falls seven times... And rises again, but the wicked stumbles in time of calamity. A righteous man falls, but here's what God has gifted us with. <laughs> if you have the breath of life, you can get back up. Spiritually speaking, right? Look at chapter 3. You can fall. We can, we can strive and strive after Christ and find ourselves falling short. But, but God gives us the ability through him, through Jesus, to get back up if we so choose. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Just, if you just keep walking. One more day. One more hour. Galatians chapter 5, please. I want to look at, I love this. This verse is just, it's just so powerful. Um, When you think about walking and and fighting this uh, fight of faith, all of us Look, all of us have our own weaknesses and our own strengths and our own struggles and and, and it's all relative. I mean, there's not one that's that's, that's um, to be, in, you know, when we look at it and we say, well, this one isn't to be considered. All weaknesses and strengths and, and life, etc., must be considered, right? We got to think about everybody else as we're thinking about ourselves. You know, b- before I before I do this, before I say that, before I act this way, before I act that way, I need to think about other people, right? So I'm thinking about you, you're thinking about me, we're thinking about God. And, and the scripture says, well, 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 preacher, when you're doing that and you're living your life that way and you're always thinking about others, when do you get to have fun? That's the that was always the struggle, right? Christians don't, well, Christians never, we never have fun. That's not true. <laughs> when you have pers- the proper perspective, Life is always fun. Cause every day there's something new from God, right? There's 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 um, there's gladness in the morning, right? There's joy. Some mornings aren't as joyful as other mornings, but there's joy. It all kind of goes away. All this stuff, it all goes away. But I want you to listen to what the Holy Spirit says to us in the Book of Galatians, chapter five, verse sixteen. But I say walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. You see what happens when you give your life to God? Then God fights the fight in you for you. Isn't that what you want? (laughs) You know, thank you, God. Yes, walk by the Spirit, and you won't do that. I won't act foolish like I used. When you walk by the Spirit, you, you have a different perspective of life. And then he says, here's what I want you to focus on every single day as you think about the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22. And they're all sanctified works, by the way. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. Each one of these are sanctified works set apart. Right? Because God qualifies it. You see, Hitler loved. And you could say, oh well see, he's practicing the fruit of the Spirit. Well you know that's not true. Right? It has to be the right kind of love. It has to be a a fruit of the Spirit of God an agape o love. And it was not that. It was a selfish love. It was a love of storge, a love of family. And that was it, right? Didn't love anybody else but himself and his family. But God says no, he didn't have brotherly love. Phileo. He didn't have agape o love. His will his love was not sanctified in the spirit and joy. The joy, what kind of joy? God joy. Not the joy we make up or we drum up in our minds, but God joy. I could go through this one verse or one idea after the other to realize these are sanctified works. This It's not fruits of the Spirit. It's fruit, singular, of the Spirit. We cannot give up. The spiritual game of life, I'm I'm wrapping this up, teaches us, to remain faithful to God until he calls us home. So we'll go back to Ecclesiastes and we'll, we'll wrap this lesson up. Chapter 9, please. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. I want you to just look beginning at verse, at verse 1. Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 1. Listen to, what, listen to what God says to us. He says, For I have taken all of this to my heart, and explain it that righteous men, wise men, and their deeds are in the hand of God. Man does not know whether it will be love or hatred. Anything awaits him. He just didn't know what was going to happen today, right? I mean, I'm not going ask you to raise your hands, but anyone here has something happen to you that you did not see coming? Today? Right? Wait till tomorrow. <laughs> no, we don't need to wait till tomorrow because guess who's already in tomorrow? God's already there. So don't even worry about tomorrow. We just need to keep on going today, right? All right. You don't know what awaits you. Verse 2. It is the same for all. There is one fate for the righteous and for the wicked. For the good, for the clean, and for the unclean. For the man who offers a sacrifice and for the one who does not sacrifice. As the good man is, so is the sinner. As the swearer is, so is the one who is afraid to swear. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that there is one fate for all men. Furthermore, the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil, and insanity is in their hearts throughout their lives. Afterwards, they go to the dead. Well, that kind of explains the world, doesn't it? We live in an insane place, insane people, and I'm one of them. See, you thought I was talking about everybody else. I'm one of them. Without Jesus, I'm just as insane as everybody else. And so are you. We need God. We can't do this without God. But we keep walking. We keep living. We exchange, if you will, from a a, a life that changes and alters to a life of blessings in Christ. In verse 9, listen to what he said. Simplicity. Enjoy life with a woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life. Which is, which he has given to you under the sun. For this is your reward in life and in your toil in which you have labored under the sun. So we could spend all day on that one, couldn't we? Right? You give her 100% of everything you, everything you got. Your mind, your body, your soul, everything. You just put it all into her. But first put it all into God. Right? And then here's the fate of all mankind. We're all going to die. That's not in that game of life. Death isn't in there, right? No, you just win, and then everyone lives happily ever after. Well, that's not really, that's not really true. Chapter 12, we'll close. Verse 13 and 14. What is the conclusion? Right? The conclusion, when all has been heard, after everything is been done after we've seen everything we've experienced we've tried we've read we've the conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments for this applies to every person that's a pretty simple life right that's a focused purposeful life just every day I get up I just want to fear God I just want to live for God I just want to honor God want to keep the commandments of God What does Jesus say? now I want you to think about something if you focus every day and if I focus every day on fearing God and keeping his commandments I don't have time to worry about everybody else <laughs> I've got a workload of my own thank you for that God right what did we say a long time ago some of our uh, you know people of wisdom would say an idle mind is a devil's workshop there's no reason to have an idle mind if you're keeping God's commandments and fearing God. There's always something to think about that's righteous and good, right? Okay, finally. For God will bring every react, verse 14. Every act of judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. God's got this, right? All right. So, the spiritual game of life is, it's not a game at all. And so, as we walk, for Jesus, and we live for Jesus. Try to do something. Try to remember this every day. Get out of self and learn how to be selfless for God. The lesson is yours if we can help in any way. If you are not a child of God, we invite you to surrender to Him to the waters of baptism. If you are a child of God and you would like prayers made on your behalf, if there's anything we can do for you, please make it known while together we stand and sing our song. Invitation. God bless you. Why don't you come? Jesus is hindrantly calling people.